Pie in the Sky Media. This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. Three, two, one. Welcome back, Murder Chronicles Nation, to another bonus episode of the Murder Chronicles. My name's Brandon. I produce the show. Here, as always, with the great Carolyn Osorio. Hello, Carolyn. Hey, Brando. How you doing? How you doing? I'm fine. I fucking hated this episode. And I'll tell you why. I will tell you why. When I became a dad, I was listening, and I still listen. There's a sports talk show guy, okay, who's also a father of daughters, about 15 years older than mine. Okay. So when I became a dad, um, his girls were just entering the dating years. Right. And he said, he went on this rant. It was not about sports. It was about parenting. And so it really stuck with me. And he said a couple of things that stood out. He said, at this age, which my kids are approaching, you become more of a consultant in their lives because they have other people that have a bit more influence, teachers, friends, whatnot. Right. He said, and it's been distilled in his life. It was distilled down to two wishes that his daughter doesn't get in the wrong car and doesn't get in the wrong relationship. Everything else, like you can be, it can be dealt with in his, in his estimation. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in this fucking story, she did both. She got in the wrong relationship and she got in the wrong fucking car. And, and it turned my fucking stomach hearing what happened to her, how those guys treated her. Right. Like it really, like I got sick to my stomach listening to it. And, uh, and I think it's an important story to tell because, and I know I get, I get fucking crucified sometimes in the comments when I judge people from these stories, but I think that Terry was a shitty mother. Okay. I think she was a shitty mother and, uh, that she could have done more to prevent what happened. Obviously she was a shitty mother because she was plotting to kill her fucking husband and she involved her daughter in it. But letting her daughter at 15 drop out of school, be homeschooled, hang out with people in their fucking 20s, giving her money for alcohol and drugs, making sure that her 20-year-old friends call her mom, you know, uh, like all of that. That's Let that be an example of how not to parent a teenage daughter. I just want to put that out there. Yell at me. You know, I've been sitting on this one for a really long time because Mm -hmm. I think I just... I had all of the interview um, witness uh, transcripts, but I didn't have the audio. So I kept trying to hunt that down because you need to have that context of how people say things. You know, you can read it on a transcript, but then to actually hear it. Right. And it was, I was having such a hard time processing these kids, not just the the murderers, not just Sarah, but also the friends. Like right. how- right all yeah how easy it was to like i just am like who is the you know who is the redeeming person in this in this story you know and and so it's really it's really hard because you know believe it or not i actually as i put these together i actually think like what can we learn from it what can we talk about that moves the needle and just having a dialogue and not just these horrible stories, you know? 
What's the takeaway? And then I finally realized that it was like, you know, I think the takeaway is that the the brain, you know, is not fully formed. Now that is not an excuse for anything that happened. But I think with all, you know, with teenagers, it's like we expect so much and it's not like we shouldn't, but I think we also, that we know so much more now about the teenage brain that it's not fully developed until at least 25. So, you know, I mean- well, that's less of a reason, less of a reason to to let your 15 year old daughter call the shots in a household. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that um, I've known, I remember when I was that age and there were parents like that, that would like, yeah, call me mom. And I'm like, like, I just, that it never yeah. felt, no, felt, you know, I always like kind of rubbed up against that, yeah. you know, did you know a mom like that too? No, I didn't. That would have freaked me out. That would fucking freak me out. No way. No, what I mean, what I'm reminded of in this, what I'm thinking about bad parenting, like sometimes we Gen X kids are accused of having absentee parenting. And I don't, it's different than that. I mean, like what my kids don't get, like they don't understand. I don't know if, if it happened in Seattle, but back in the tri-state area, back in the Northeast, when I was a kid, like 70s and through the 80s, the government decided that it was necessary to remind parents that they had kids every night on the news at 10 o'clock it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Was on the, every single night at, at the, the clock struck 10 in between, like before the evening news started, ding, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? They had you know, to that's so them. funny because I don't know, as you said that, I don't know if it's, I, you've told me that before, or I read it somewhere before, but yeah, I mean, the mindset was completely different. And now I just was seeing something on social media where where parents are or where like parenting magazines are like, don't hover over your children because it's the pendulum has swung right. so far the in the other direction where it's like, no, you can't chase your kid around at the park. Please let yeah. them get, let them be free. You know, yeah. it's the whole free range situation. But this just seemed like with with Terry as, as, as Sarah's mom with uh, that she kind of wanted to be, except for call me mom, it seemed like she wanted to be among them. She wanted to be part of their peer group, right? And not be an authority figure. It's like she was she was eschewing whatever authority that she had in her life, maybe surrendering it to the church that she was involved in. I don't, I don't really know, but um, but again, when hearing the the way that she her version of parenting okay and then hearing how involved she was in the church okay loved her pastor going to church every day seventh day adventists there's seventh day adventists out here they're mostly like in the armenian communities in in, in los angeles and southern california um but then to hatch a murder plot to kill her husband that's not very christ-like of this woman right so what was the purpose of the church in her life was it community was it what she was did she really lean into this multiple personality disorder diagnosis as like as an excuse for shitty behavior but for the church to have 20 people diagnosed by the pastor not by a fucking medical doctor by the pastor mm -hmm. you have multiple personality mm -hmm. disorder that seems to me like it's one step away from saying you're possessed by by a demon because I have done a lot of research. You know what's so funny? Yeah. You're just like chef's kiss, as you would say, because <laughs> I didn't add that in because no. 
it was true. The the devil worshiping stuff was true in this situation. Really? I had all audio, but I couldn't back it up. There was nothing mm-hmm. that like she and in and Terry's she never went to trial. And I couldn't get that, I couldn't get audio from her. But apparently there was one interview where one of the congregants like went into this whole spin out of where they were uh, Satan worshipers and they would go into the woods and that's allegedly Terry and Sarah were all a part of this. And so it was just like way too like off the rails to include it. But it was like, there was something hinky going on in that church big time, which is not excuse the plot no, to kill Jerry, but it's like, you could see that she was so under his spell and she wanted to get out of this marriage and she wanted the money and they were in financial straits, which Jerry had no idea about. And, um, you know, I, I, I said in the episode, like here, Jason was thinking he was totally scamming them. And I think that she was completely like, and and in that respect, there are a bunch of dipshits. Like who does this? does this murder plot and then fucking tell everybody and have a 25 year old or 22 year old drifter who's banging your daughter and say like, Hey, and kill this guy. What? Okay. I'll give you 10 grand in a truck. Oh yeah. That sounds great. And I get to go to Hawaii. Fuck. Yeah. I'll do it. Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I know. And then they tell people and then dips it, dipshit Jason fucking tells people and then they get cold feet. And it's just, it was like Keystone Cops for fucking murderers. Well, that's why I feel like the deeper part with the rejection component, which we've talked about with these guys, you know, where what Sarah did because she talked back to him and basically was like, hey, you took the 40 bucks, you know, you're a taker. And then he doesn't even just stick around to even have a dialogue about it. It's like, like I'm out of here. You know? I'm going to kill her and get money and, and I'm going to get my fucking hulk fucking lenny friend quiet tj who's a just i'm not smart but i can lift heavy shit fucking i know right he had a mouse on the side of his right yeah (laughs) oh i killed the puppy i'm sorry and he chokes people out at parties like for a goof like who is this fucking guy right i I remember in junior high there was somebody like that who did that in the bathroom everybody knows somebody like that i i know a guy I know a guy, Jeremy Ferrara, would choke people out and everyone was scared of him, so they didn't want to say no. So we'd fucking choke you out at a party, right? So you don't get beat up the next day in school, right? When I heard that, I was like transported back and it's like all these parties and I just felt so much gratitude that I was able to escape my teenage self, right? But I was smart enough to not stick around, you know? It's like... All of those parties, it was so weird. It's like showing up, there's no parents, right? There's no or parents. Or if there are parents, it's the cool ones who cool totally- parents, Right, like, we'll look the other way. Someone's yeah. got a bottle of vodka, someone's getting a hand job in the closet, and someone's getting choked out for fun. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, I could God. totally relate to these like parties, and I, I didn't want to like- See, but we're talking about when we're like early teens, mid-teens. These guys were like in their 20s hanging out with a 15-year-old. Like, first of all, where's, why didn't Jerry call the cops on Jason for banging his 15-year-old daughter? Like, that's a that's illegal because Jason's like 22. She's 15. 
She's outside. She knows that she goes out and she smokes cigarettes every night. She's a, a chain smoker at 15. Like I'm sitting here going, where are the parents? I know. And this know. is not like it's the seventies where no one gave a shit. This is the late nineties. This yeah. isn't that I long ago. It, I think it's, I think it's when, well, almost 2000. Almost yeah. yeah. I think that you, you have that, um, the slippery slope from as your as your children mature, you know, you do your relationship does change and you do, you know, want to pick your battles, but this is so like out of control. Like, like where are the parents? And Jerry is like, I'm just working. You know, I kind of view his, you know, he yeah. just kept working it's a cop like out. It's a cop out. I, I mean, when you're 15, you're a freshman or a sophomore in high school. Yeah. Okay, you're not you don't have a driver's license. You're you're not old enough to work in a lot of places. You know, like you're still basically helpless to a point. Okay, and well, so Sarah wasn't. No way. Yeah, no how. Sarah, no, I, I, I I'm not I'm not saying that Jerry is blameless and he's just like oh, I didn't know what I'm trying to put myself in that position of how does somebody get to that point where they just feel so powerless that they allow because when I was reading his testimony he was like uh, he didn't like it he didn't want that to be that you know but it, but he he kept wanting this marriage to work because he'd been in two other marriages that that didn't work out so I think that I can't account for for why he did that but I but I know that there are people who are so focused on keeping things together when they should just accept the fact that they got problems and they got to deal with it because the fact that this 20 year old is living with a 15 year old is as you said illegal and that he's driving they're driving these cars and she has a learner's permit and he doesn't even have a license and these are brand new cars i mean even if they were like pieces of crap you still like and then drinking and driving like oh my gosh you know they were doing that back in the day We'll be back after a quick break. I, I mean, it's, it's, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. And maybe uh, I'm in my little, you know, suburban bubble, uh, you know, because with, with parenting and, and fucking PTA and soccer games and volleyball and woo, right? And there's, there's a world where it's... I don't know. Parents just do shit differently, I guess. But but again, it's 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 much closer to where we are now than most of your cases. A lot of your cases are in the '80s, right? This is almost the 2000s, like you said. We knew shit by then. We had the internet by then. We had, you know, there was. I don't know. It it, it fucking blew me away what was going on back then. But um, but so all right. So the first murder plot was to kill Jerry, but yeah. but Jerry had to poop. Okay. That oh, saved his life. That saved his life. It saved his life. His irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah, I put that in there for you because I knew saved you his were... life. Yes. Yeah. I love that about Jerry. Okay. Good for you, Jerry. You're welcome. Okay. I mean, it, you had to when you when you look at it, you really had to go there because it's like, well, wait a second, he went in through the wrong door. Well, no, he didn't just go into the right no, he sprinted. I've been there. I think we've all been there. Like coming <laughs> home from like a restaurant that maybe didn't do too well. You're like, I can make it home in time. I don't want to go in the dirty restaurant bathroom. I can I can make it home. 
and you seriously misjudge your ability, right? And I'm driving and my wife will say something like, just be quiet, please. Just be quiet. Don't say anything. <laughs> I got to focus. I, yeah, no, I, I get it. And so, you know, you could picture and it saved his life. And it his saved, his life. Life. Right, it saved, it saved his life. Right, saved his life. So they get cold feet. So they call it off. And in the interim, yeah. Justin, Jason, sorry, Justin, steals the 40 bucks, which pisses off Sarah which ostracizes him, makes him feel rejected. So he turns his ire on her and the whole family. That was a nice turn that you made in your writing right there. Like he knows them so well, he has access to the house. Why not, why not just fucking kill everybody? Okay. Like, whoa. Well, so, and it's so scary when they picked up Terry. It's like, yep. how freaking scary. They had opportunity to yeah. do that. Yeah, I know. And obviously they're cap very capable and yeah. she ended up taking them back to her house. Yep. And I didn't go into a lot of detail about it, but apparently when Jerry wakes up, they're TJ and the balls on these guys. TJ and Jason are making like pizza stuff, pizza rolls in the microwave. And Jerry's hearing this commotion at midnight. And he's like, where's Sarah? And these guys are eating his food and like standing there. And it's like, how... Can you just totally brutally kill their daughter and eat their food and eat pizza rolls? You know, yeah. and and first of, all, first of all, there are a lot of J's in this story. A lot of tell J's. me about it. Okay, tell me. About I was um, I uh, I was completely obsessed with uh, with John Wilkes Booth and the Lincoln assassination for a couple of years, and like read everything I could, and every other person was named John. Okay, there were so many Johns. There were like 30 Johns that played like a really significant role in the. In what that. part of, I know this is off topic, but I'm curious, what part of that story was so riveting to you? So riveting was that how a, a, a Northern liberal family produced the greatest tool of Southern hatred that probably our country's known. Like John Wilkes Booth grew, grew up, he was raised by like very liberal, progressive, an art, artistic family of actors of great great actors like john wilkes booth could be compared to like the tom cruise of his time and his older brother edwin was like the daniel day lewis of his time like much more serious less showy and flashy and less handsome john wilkes booth was named the most handsome man in america like two months before he killed lincoln like he was a massive star in the south though he wasn't, he was kind of rejected by Northern audiences at first who preferred his brother, Edwin. And so he went down and, and changed his name. He didn't act under John Wilkes Booth at first um, and, uh, and made his name in the, in the Southern theaters um, from Richmond down to New Orleans and was really embraced by uh, the Southern ideologies and, and the Southern way of life. And was completely, I, I say brainwashed, I don't know, just because it was a different, uh, complete 180 from how he grew up, um, into the into that Lincoln and the Union was trying to destroy a very specific way of life that, that was born on the backs of slave labor, basically, the agricultural South. And so uh, he always hated that he, uh, and considered himself a coward for not joining the army. And so he figured that he would do what he could. And he was a spy for the South because he was so famous. He could travel freely on the trains and transport medicine and messages and blah, blah, blah. And he was a mercenary dater. He dated, you know, daughters of senators and stuff to try and get information from them. 
Um, and then when uh, when he heard that uh, the surrender at Appomattox, he was like, it's not over yet. There are still armies in the field that have that are still fighting. And if we are able, him, him and his merry band of conspirators, on the same night, kill Lincoln, Vice President Johnson, and Secretary of State William Seward, we will decapitate the North. They'll be in disarray, and the Southern Army will be able to rise up and win. Um, but he was the only one that really believed that, <laughs> and uh, and but he fucking did it. Was committed to it. He 100%. was what they say, pot committed. Hundred percent committed to it. And so, what I love about the story is is looking at it as just kind of like a historical snapshot because it all happened so quick. The Civil War ended nine days later. Lincoln is assassinated. And then like 12 days after that, Booth is captured and killed. It was all in like, like just over 20 something days that these incredible events happened. Um, and then his Stanton, his secretary of war just went fucking bananas because his best friend Lincoln was murdered and he, and he completely overstepped his bounds and, and tried civilians in a military tribunal and executed them which was completely outside the scope of his authority. Um, just because he was a megalomaniac or because he no, was so- Just because he was like, how fucking dare you do that to my friend? You yeah. killed my friend. Imagine you, your best friend gets murdered by some fucking actor, okay? And goes on the run and you happen to have at your disposal the mightiest army in the world at the time. Mm -hmm. Okay, why don't you go get these motherfuckers? Right? Yeah, but they're the mother, the others yeah. at the beginning were innocent, right? Oh, so they weren't innocent. No, they weren't innocent, but they were civilians and they they were entitled to due process in by a jury of their peers, not yeah. by a military tribunal that mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was a really, really strange time, but I just find it a fascinating, fascinating fucking time, also. Um so yeah i mean i never knew that backstory about wilkes because Booth, yeah. because you always hear about you know lincoln and 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 i was recently reading something about his grave like how they kept moving it and how it's like yeah. i don't know if you, you know that story but i was like what yeah well the, the fact that it was booth what i think has just been diluted over time is how famous he was like i tell people i'm like no you don't really get it it would be like if at a at Hamilton, right? You're at a, at a at a showing of Hamilton and President Biden's there, okay? And everyone's like, wow, the president's here, great. And watching the show and then halfway through the third, uh, the second act, like at the crescendo of the play, everyone hears a gunshot. Everyone's like, is that part of the show? What's going on? And then out of nowhere, Leonardo DiCaprio jumps down onto the stage. People are like, why is the fucking Leo up there? And he holds up a bloody knife and says, make America great again, and runs off stage. Everyone's like, hold on, he's a Trump guy? And why is Biden's wife screaming right now? Holy shit. DiCaprio just fucking assassinated the president because he wants to install, reinstall the former government because he's a Trumper. And, you know, and, and so, so many things became new facts like all at once like no one knew that about booth what what his political ideologies were no one knew that he was secretly an agent of the south no one knew like any of that and so but even that isn't really a fair comparison it would be a fair comparison if dicaprio's brother 
was Daniel Day-Lewis and if their dad was Marlon Brando. Like that's the pedigree of the family. Yeah. Did you hear how Daniel Day-Lewis has just made an appearance, I guess, after like four years of retirement and like nobody recognized him? Did you see that headline? And they probably gave him an Oscar for it because <laughs> he would deserve it. Someone told me, someone told me, and I don't doubt it, that he didn't really retire, that his, he's, he's preparing for a movie where he plays a retired superstar. In that he's he's building a character. New character. Yeah. We'll see. I know. We'll see. That that's commitment. That's that's who he is. Oh, that's the craft. That's the craft, Carolyn. That's I, the craft. I know okay. you're the actor, not me, as you pointed out many times. That's the craft, and I think you. <laughs> I think, that was perfect. Oh my gosh! I think you know what I'm talking about because. You you slip in and out of character masterfully in some of these episodes, masterfully. And, and and you know what? Not to not to break your balls, but I was expecting a little bit more commitment when you were reading the letter at the end of this episode. But it's you okay. know what? I I you're absolutely right because as I was reading it, I just it's hard. She sounded like a teen, but she also sounded more um, different than what I'd imagined. And I just felt like really sad. I felt know? sad. What was sad about it for me was that she reiterated that she wasn't going to give him up, even though they were broken up. She goes, I'm not, I won't, I won't write you out. You know, she, she wanted him to know that, that, that she could, that he could count on her, you know, that, that was, that was sad. And, and, and I, and, and I, I so like, I just mic dropped it with that because I thought, you know, I'm not going to do this where it's like, what if she would have just sent that letter and not met him? Like, what if all of it? Yeah. Right. But sometimes that's interesting to think about from an emotional place, you know, but I, 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 this one was emotional enough. You know, I think I felt so too. Yeah. Your description. And it's like, mom the mom like as as a as as a horrible as her parenting which we've talked about in terms of like man sarah really needed to have help she needed to have a strong i mean someone who gave a shit yeah yeah like not you, you know i mean i say this to my son all the time not all the time but like i'm like i i know you think i'm being hard on you but you gotta understand that i care so much and yeah. you know it's hard for me to say no it's hard for me to say no to you but yeah. it's the best thing for you. And, and fortunately, knock on wood, you know, he's, he, he, he accepts it, you know, he may, may not like it, but, but he accepts it. But, you know, this Sarah had just spiraled to the point where the mom just was like, you know, because it's hard to be that parent. It's hard to have those boundaries and it's easy to give them everything they want. And then this is what you get, you know, yeah. when you give them everything that they want. You know, yeah, but but I did feel bad for her at the end because, like, she did not want her daughter to like look at what she wrought. You know, if she, you know, she wanted to kill Jerry, she recruited her daughter, she recruited the, these kids, she acted like a teen, and then to find out, like, she couldn't even grieve because once they, you know, found her body there, she's like thinking wow, wait a second. They're probably going to find out about this murder plot. Yeah, and they fucking did. So, yeah, and she, when she only got five years, I get it. I, I mean, she didn't technically do anything but plan to, to kill a murder, but these other dipshits 
fucking TJ. TJ comes out of his interview and he's like, oh, I'm so, I can't believe he did that to your daughter. Oh, like he thinks he's going to get away with it when he was the one who choked her out and he was right there the fucking whole time. Yo, good, good play. These guys are fucking idiots. They're idiots. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry it was so painful. It was honestly painful uh, for me. No, no, but, listen, it, but in a way that's, you know, when you when you know that you've been affected by by a piece of art, like it's it's cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like any kind of strong, you know, reaction like that, um, I, I like. You know, the worst thing is just not giving, like, oh, whatever, not giving a shit, you know? So it definitely affected me and uh, in a way that I didn't like, but it was you know, I, I, I appreciate the work that went into it. So, uh, again, nice job. Nice job. Uh, you really, uh, you really highlight some fucked up people in your, <laughs> on my quest to like in your storytelling. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it's always powerful. So, um, good job. The episode will be up. We'll be up in the morning. Um, okay. so, uh, any, uh, little hint of next week? No. Next week, I think you're gonna really, really despise hmm. this guy. Okay. He's entitled. You a Red Sox fan or something? <laughs> no, he's a complete oh. entitled. Remember your reaction to the I five killer? Oh gosh, yeah. You know, and his entitlement yeah. and yeah. his narcissism. This guy really? is 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 a same animal, different different type you know all right good but, well but it'll definitely get your blood boiling i'm looking forward to it all right well i'm going to go edit this uh as always murder chronicles nation thank you for taking the time to uh spend a little bit of time with us today please consider uh supporting the great companies that support our show and if you have a moment we'd appreciate you heading over to apple Podcasts and giving us uh, a review um and a comment. So thank you very much, Carolyn. Anything you'd like to add? Thank you so much for listening and keeping with us. And we'll see you next week. Yes. Until then, stay safe out there. The Murder Chronicles is a pie in the sky production recorded live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We are produced by Brandon Morgan and myself. Music by Soundstripe. For Pie in the Sky Media, I'm Carolyn Osorio, your writer and host. Thanks for listening. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.